What's going on? It's another episode of the Halftime Report, powered by Sports Cannabis. I'm your host, D-Ray. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for joining us. Melissa, thank you for jumping on here. I don't know if you know, but we I, I can't do the introductions justice. So we'd like the host to introduce themselves. I know you're you're on a volleyball player. You got the the thing going on. We just talked about the fused drinks. We gotta get to that later. I know you're on the entrepreneurial side. So that's the brief synopsis, but I need you to go in detail and introduction for me. Awesome. Thank you, B-Ray. Um, yes, my name is Melissa Jane Stapley. I actually go by MJ in the mm-hmm. industry. That's for my name, Melissa Jane. So a lot of people think that I'm just going by MJ, but no, it's for my name. And I got in the cannabis industry about seven and a half years ago. And like you said, I was a former volleyball player from mm-hmm. college. I played at San Diego State. And from college, I think starting at San Diego State, I kind of started getting addicted to sleeping pills, more like NyQuil, Tylenol PM. Of course, the doctor prescribed me Ambien, everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so that's always the sleeping issue was always something I had and from college. And so I was introduced about eight years ago to CBD hemp oil, and that helped get me off sleeping pills, which kind of got my fascination with getting into the cannabis industry. And so then from there, I left corporate America and got into the industry about seven and a half years ago. Worked for a couple companies and then started my own business, MJ Hybrid Solutions, which is an online cannabis training platform for dispensaries and brands, primarily focused on sales and education with a little bit of compliance. So I've been doing that for the last five years, along with some other stuff along the CBD line and and a lot of athlete and cannabis stuff as well. Very big advocate for cannabis and sports. I love that. I love that. You're the first person I've heard say that they got into cannabis because of sleep. I got to be honest. I think obviously this is sports cannabis. So a lot of people we talk to, we talk to athletes and it's always pain rather than be physically or mentally or emotionally. But yeah. you were the first person to, to, to say that it was a sleep thing. So what was it about? What was the aha moment? CBD is the thing versus ambient or something like that. Well, so I think one I was, it was funny is introduction to it because we are, me and my girlfriend were at a sports bar like happy hour talking about our sales job, right? We come from corporate America. We're sales managers. And this guy kind of hopped in that was sitting next to us. was like eavesdropping on our conversation and then started just talking about CBD oil. It's the next big thing. You know, this was back in 2014. So literally right when CBD was kind of becoming this new thing in cannabis. And I didn't yeah. know anything about cannabis. You know, I smoked a little bit in college here and there, but I I would I didn't know that much about it in terms of helping with the pain, the mental, you know, emotional and stuff. And so when he kind of gave me that CBD oil, he just gave me some to try because I'm like, well, I take sleeping pills. I would love to try to wing off of that and some to try. And it was like that weekend, I waited till the weekend to try it because I didn't want to not sleep well. And I think that's, it was that weekend, two nights in a row, I took it and I slept great. And so it was just, and I just started kind of researching. And so it was one of those things that was like, holy crap, like all the benefits of cannabis and CBD, like where have I been? (laughs) And I come from a very religious family. I grew up Mormon. So obviously, you know, coming from a very conservative family, you're not really, you're kind of kept in a bubble about a lot of things. So it took a lot of research and education for myself to really kind of dive into it. And so I don't know, it was one of those things that I just knew I had that moment where I'd been thinking about wanting to get a new career and something I could actually help people. And so that was my aha moment, I guess, is linking my, back to six months earlier when I made this commitment to myself to keep all opportunities for new industries where I can make a difference or grow and start my own business. And so that kind of came to me and I felt like that was my aha moment. It was like, this is the industry. This is it. It's what I have to get yeah. into. So obviously you have a huge emphasis in everything you do on education. Like you said, you pretty much 
gave people the platform for educating dispensaries and things like that. But anybody that teaches, they had to learn at some point. How long did it take for you to kind of etch down to, all right, this is exactly what I want. These are the type of things I want. These are the strains I'm into and things of that nature. I mean, I feel like it's still ongoing, to be honest with you, because especially as you kind of go into other states, you know, th- flowers grown differently in different states. So it's like it's hard to get attached to one strain because one strain in Cali is probably not the same strain you're getting in Arizona in terms of flower. Right. And that was the thing is when I started, I was really into the whole CBD oil right away. And then from there, it was I then I went and worked with this other company that was launching a brand and they had a lot of both CBD and THC. So then I got really into the one-to-one ratios. And I'm still a huge, huge fan of one-to-one ratio. That the one part CBD, one part THC. I got some edibles the other day. I don't I don't want to shout out the brand because they ain't paying us, but they, <laughs> they they do the one-to-one. It was a friend of mine, she asked me, you know, I want to start with, you know, taking edibles and things like that. And I was like, start with the one-to-one. That's usually the best way to kind of you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good little mellow high. And then for me, what I learned quickly was too much. Like if I would smoke, I love, and I love flour like you, I love smoking a joint at night yeah. and stuff. But what I've learned is that too much THC, you know, there's that bell curve with sleep. And so yeah. too much THC, I was getting paranoid or my heart was racing for sleep. And so that's what I also discovered was the one, one was really good for my sleeping. Or if I, you know, I would put a bait pen next to my bed. I wake up in the middle of the night sleepless i would take a couple hits of it hey you just said a bell curve for sleep i gotta be honest i don't i don't want to be actually you said you know and i like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know so just it's more for i guess anxiety so i have a module cannabis and anxiety and it talks about there's a bell curve basically like the bell curve is about 7.5 milligrams of thc is what that peak up for anxiety and then once you go past that it can actually cause you to be more anxious or cause restlessness Again, different for everybody, right? Yeah. Everyone is different, but that's kind of the whole thing with, you know, when people come in and they have anxiety too much, you know, high, I probably wouldn't recommend a high THC product for them, right? It would be more of a one-to-one or high CBD THC ratio. I love that. I, it's funny. It's, so like what you'll hear people would say is like, I'm kind of taking a break from smoking or, you know what I mean? It's good. And most people don't go into detail. I never understood that. And me, it was funny. Recently, I smoked and I went to a basketball event. And the moment I stepped in the room, I realized because of the energy that was already in there, the excitement that I had for it, I was like, I should be mellowed out. But my heart is like, I can hear my heart in my ears. Like, I'm like, it's, it's, it's crazy. My heart's about to jump out of my chest. And I realized, like, maybe I should kind of cut back on CAC consumption. And that brings me to my next question. Um, because we haven't talked about this with other guests. I, I, I love your, your mind for moderation and, and, like you said, the education of it. But at what point do you think we've gone too far? Like, over the past couple of years, it's been like a renaissance. Not just TAC, the, the cannabis plant in general. Yeah. People are kind of like, all right, this thing has been around for hundreds of years. It was just pretty much the last hundred years where it's been outlawed. We've had all these things kind of against and all these stigmas. But I, I have to believe that like everything, there's a pendulum swing. We were at a point where it was like, oh my God, this thing is the worst thing ever. And obviously the incarceration rate and things like that, you know, related to it. But I feel like we are very quickly heading to a point where we end up on the other side of it, where it's like, all right, there's too much weed out there. So to you, what are the signs of, all right, we need to kind of, need to draw it back in? Well, I think that, you know, I agree with you with moderation. And I also... One, kind of going back to what you talked about real quick, walking into the room and your heart racing, but you're already excited. I'm also a big believer that cannabis 
kind of goes like it enhances how you're feeling. So that's also mm-hmm. why I think different strains can affect you at different times, different ways based on, you know, what, what you're feeling. If you're excited that you're going to hit the vape and you might get more excited. And so I think, but I think so when it's done too much, you know, it's, it's, we're seeing it become it kind of, there's so many different areas that can go into, right. You got the tobacco industry, like they can create cannabis products. They can get into it. You got the health and wellness. And then you have obviously like medicine and doctors and pharmacists. And so I don't know, it's hard to say because it's, it's, you know, when it's, it's going to be something that's put into everything at what point, you know, when are we going to, we still have a lot of research left to really know, like you said, the moderation point or what point is it going to get to be where it's, we're over consuming or we're overdoing it with our bodies and our endocannabinoids is going to actually start shutting us down because of it. Right. You know, and then you go back to right now too, we're dealing with as since it is becoming legal in these States, they're putting a lot more like higher THC. We're seeing a lot of the high concentrates, the distillates. And so that's also to the point where people are getting like they'll take a hit of something and they're high as a kite because we still, not everyone knows yet what their body needs. And so it's hard. Eventually we'll get there. We'll be like alcohol. You know, you're going to go get a six pack of beer. And you know, if you chugged all six beers within an hour, you're probably going to be hammered or passed out, you know, but right now we don't know what our limit is, each of us like for THC. And so it's a playing game. And especially until it becomes federally legalized and we have more research done it's hard to say at what point is it going to be overly (laughs) because in some States and some areas, I feel like it already is kind of getting that overplayed. Right. But then you go to other States that it's just still brand new and there's just limited products, limited availability. So it's still so fresh. What what would you say? Would you say that the health and wellness component of it is the, the thing that you want to focus on the most? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, health and wellness, I think being able to utilize it in pharmacy down as well with doctors, I know at that point it's, you know, a lot of it is synthesized or it's taken down to one cannabinoid at a time, but I think there can be a lot of leeway with that, but health and wellness in general is just, just like vitamins or just like certain things you take daily, your greens and reds juice, and it can be a part of your daily intake. It's just a matter of figuring out what is that intake, right? Because we we've we're starting to see it a lot more people that are having reactions too and you you know no one likes to talk about it but it's happening yeah um, with like the cannabinoid hyperemesis i don't even know if i say it right but you know it, we're seeing it and people getting sick so it's just it's it's still you know kind of a slow but steady <laughs> but it's it's a hard thing because people get excited too right and, so do you have any suggestions on like reliable resources that, that people should be looking towards just to educate themselves. Not necessarily, yeah. at the end of the day, you're not going to, it's your body. You know what I mean? And yeah. this stuff do anything but play off of what you already have going on up here and here and obviously in the rest yeah. of your body. So do you have anything that people could look towards for, all right, let me get a broad overview of what these things are so I can kind of, like you said, like a drink menu, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I know that like MedCan, which is Dr. Talleyrand who writes all the, and reviews all my cannabis science and education content. He through Med Medican, I think it's Medican. I know he does some educational resources for patients. He does studies. Um, they're doing different studies for patients. You know, I have educational sources. I know mine's more geared though towards employees in the industry. I don't really reach out to consumers, but a lot of it is really just kind of looking health coaches that are already into the cannabis um and then just off just getting online and reading i know there's still a lot of misinformation out there and there can be but there's you know webmd there's certain websites that you can get or read some studies on it's just 
from a consumer standpoint, a lot of people don't want to read it. They don't want it. They just want to walk into the dispensary and be told what the what's going to help them, right? So it's kind yeah. of the hard part. I mean, that's most things. Like I said, I just... Oh, yeah. It's, it's everything. Like, you got a brain tumor, you're not going to ask the doctor to break down the scientific thing of your brain. You're just going to ask them what to say to get rid of it. I think the biggest thing is for people really is to start with understanding the endocannabinoid system. Because once you kind of understand that, and that again, that's what led me to get into education from when I was working with these CBD and THC companies is trying to explain to people like, oh, well, it helps with it. How does it help with all these things? Is it a miracle drug? You know, like all that. People really didn't understand the endocannabinoid system and how that basically regulates almost every major organ function in our system. And so by cannabis that's why it can work with so many different things it's the only thing that actually will go to our you know endocannabinoid system to help bring us into homeostasis so i think that's a really good starting point for people to understand and then that's from there it's what the dosing is being able to start small and work your way up and and understanding and playing around because you might go to a dispensary and they might sell you on something and it doesn't work then you're never going to want to try it again right like but having that understanding like hey this one didn't work for me that doesn't mean cannabis is not going to work for me you just have to find your sweet spot. All right, let's pivot towards the entrepreneurship part of this. I understand you got several ventures, you know what I mean? And we all understand the cannabis industry is growing. So I got to ask, where do you think things are headed as far as the cannabis industry go? You mentioned earlier that some states are still trying to legalize it. Everybody's waiting for that day that on a federal level, it's just completely legal. I got a feeling in the next presidential race, that's going to be something that's mentioned a lot, but where do you think the cannabis industry is, have, uh, is heading right now? So I think there's definitely going to be a little bit of a reset in okay. terms of, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of clashing because we're seeing a lot of corporate and kind of big guys from outside industries wanting to come in. Right. And we're kind of seeing them overtaking. Like you have a lot of these MSOs, multi-state operators that are buying out the small guys. And so right now, I'm you know, we're seeing a lot of small mom and pop shops or small brands kind of going out of business or having to sell or lose to some of these big guys. And so I, I feel like over the next couple of years, especially as we get to more, most of the states becoming legalized or the federal legalization, there'll be a little bit of a reset in terms of like, you know, kind of like CBD. I feel like CBD kind of had that reset. It got super saturated. A lot of people died off. And then now there's just some great consistent CBD products on the market. Same with cannabis, but I, you know, I don't know. We have a long way to go. You talk about the federal legalization. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be used in election time over and over again. Will something happen with it or how long will they kind of string us along? You know, (laughs) it's going to have to be in the next, within the next five to 10 years. There has to be. I mean, at this point with how quick, if not sooner, with how quick these states, you know, we saw with COVID, some of these states that you never thought would turn all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, we're going to make cannabis you know, legal because it's tax money. So whether it's for the right reasons or not. That's the but, worst part. Yeah. The worst. yeah. Like, there's a bit, there definitely was a bitterness to some of the victory. Well, it's kind of like federal legalization. Like we want it because we want everyone to have access, right? We want more research and this to be something that like people can utilize anywhere and feel confident in. But at the same time with federal legalization, what's going to play out. We don't know. And is it going to screw a lot of people that have fought for this plant for years and years and years. Right. And how's the social equity part going to play out? Like it's, it's, you know, so there's a lot of people that don't want federal legalization in the industry because Mm -hmm. it's, are they, is that going to push us out? Is that going to cause problems? So it all just depends too on how they roll it out. But 
you know, if it, but if federal legalization will freaking get every person in, in jail right now, that's in there for cannabis out of jail, like get like, let's go, <laughs> you know, these little like that. It's like the, it's a catch 22, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's funny that that's actually pivot right into the, the next topic. Between the incarceration, you know, you hear about things like the uh, last prisoner project and things that pretty much revolve around getting people who have been convicted for cannabis use or cannabis distribution, whatever it may be, for years upon years. Like guys are getting football numbers for this same plant that people are turning around and making like a fad and come do cannabis and yoga and things like that. Tie that in with the fact that only about 10% of the, the cannabis business is owned by Black and Hispanic people. With all this greatness of going, you know, going around cannabis and all these things like this, how do you think we stay the course of understanding that there is still a lot of undoing to be done with this plant? And how do you think we stay the course to make sure that those things happen? Well, I think one, you know, it's, it's really about bridging the gap, right? And and a lot of that right now, it's even, so we saw this happen in California when it went recreational and a lot of these OG farmers or people were getting pushed down the cultivation costs went down and there was a lot of headbutting, right? So you have a lot of old school people that have fought for this plant and they're angry and they're upset that some of these corporate guys have come in, which they have every right to be. But I feel like for us to be able to long-term get where we want to be and, and kind of like you talk about undo a lot of this stuff, we have to work together. So I think there's a give and take that, you know, if you're a small OG farmer and approached by a big corporate group, what can you do to provide value to them, but then get them on your side to help you fight and help you, you know, continue to push for social equity or push for getting people out of prison. Because at the end of the day, when it comes down to lobbying, it's, and it's these corporate monies that corporate guys that have a lot of money behind them, right? It's that, and it's just the advocating, you know, it's continuing to advocate. And that's, you know, I always say this to people I train dispensaries is just like every customer, every patient that walks in matters because right now we're still trying to break the stigma. Mm -hmm. So you got a lot of new consumers coming in and that's why it is about asking them questions, getting them the products they need because how they, their experiences, whether it's their first, second, third time coming in is how that relates to other people as you know, and as we grow and getting people on our side Mm -hmm. and to understand how important cannabis is and not just think, Oh, these are just trap shops, you know, like kind of trying to compare it to, you know, the smoke shops that sell jewel or whatever, like that actually look at it. Like, no, this is actually beneficial. It's not going to ruin our kids. <laughs> it's not. And so it's just important to continue to advocate that. And it's important for everybody and every company to kind of play their part with that and not just let it fold, I guess you could say. So and it's it's hard to do because too, we're in an industry that's new and everyone's trying to make a buck and survive too. One more pivot before the for the, the, the halftime. MJ Hybrid Solutions. What is it? Where do we find it? What's the mission? So um when I created MJ Hybrid Solutions, I when I was working with dispensaries, I saw a huge disconnect, right? And this is kind of just going back to what I just said between the new cannabis consumer and and kind of cannabis in general is how do we bridge that gap going in? You know, I was in California, so we were turning over from kind of those, you call them trap shops or whatever, a little bit more of those like spots and new consumers coming in. And how can we educate and, and talk to our customers in a way that they understand it? And so that's why I started MJ Hybrid Solutions is it's a hybrid approach. It's effective, you know, sales training, customer service training, along with product knowledge and education. So I'm a big believer that you can know everything about cannabis, but if you don't know who you're speaking to, it's going to be ineffective. 
Just like you can be great at selling, but if you don't understand cannabis and the knowledge, then how are, that's going to be ineffective in getting your customer the right product. So it's kind of a, it's a hybrid approach to training to help dispensaries, help bud tenders be able to understand how to ask the right questions to consumers, how to guide them to the right product, how to, you know, working on opportunities and sales. It's still about helping the business as well. And then also educating them on what it is they're selling. Um, so that's really what, you know, I, I decided to kind of create something more, a little is very specific versus just general education or just focusing on compliance, but something that could actually benefit where I felt like I could help. If I'm sitting here trying to educate consumers, what can I do to help all these people, bud tenders across the U S that literally have people coming in every day? How can we try to help them be better so that we can continue to break the stigma, continue to push for reform because every customer matters right now. You know, it's, it's, there's still a lot of states that, you know, these, these dispensaries get put up and people are mad and don't understand it, but they need to be educated, but you got to educate people from their understanding. So you come to me and you might be some, you know, you're Baptist, raise your whole life. You think marijuana is so horrible. I can't come at you like, oh, you're stupid for thinking that. And no, I got to say, okay, look, I get it. That's how you were raised. So let's yeah. start with, let's start with this. What do you know about it? why did why do you think it's so bad, right? And then just kind of getting them to open up, and then you can educate based on their understanding versus attacking them, I guess, a lot too, right? And then there continues to be that separation. Like politics, I guess, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I'm just listening. Like this is wrong. She has a point. She has a point. All right. This we we had the halftime moment. These are usually infused. You know what I mean. So if you want to yeah. smoke, fine, but. I gotta give you four minutes and 20 seconds, max, you don't have to use the whole thing, to tell either your best, worst, or favorite getting high story. I have a good worst one on an airplane. <laughs> oh, that sounds bad. bad, bad. Let's, let's this, is a, this is a cannabis infused tablet, so I'm gonna put it in the water and it infuses. I'm so jealous of that. That's like the coolest shit. Like, out of all the things they've been doing. You can see, yeah, it, kind of, it like dissolves. It's kind of like an Alka Seltzer, I guess. I was about to say, you got like THC tones over there. That shit's amazing. Yeah, there you go. And it kicks in pretty fast. But I have a joint too, because I love me a good joint. So. so, when I was going to an investment conference in Canada, in Toronto, where Jay's, where Jay's at, um, we, I'm, not a, I'm not a great flyer. I don't like flying. So I, I was drinking, we were, it was with two colleagues. I was in a cannabis incubator early on with MJ Hybrid Solutions. And we were on a plane from LA to Toronto. And so I had been drinking already. And then my buddy of mine, who's an avid, avid consumer of cannabis, starts taking out all these edibles. And he was like, here, do you want one? So I was like, oh yeah, I want to go to sleep for the rest of the, the, rest of the flight. Well, he gave me a cushy punch 25 milligram edible. And then I also took this five milligram blueberry. Oh, no. And literally within five minutes, I was having a panic attack. And I was like, Thirty of them airplane. You gotta get me off this airplane, like you know. So they're trying to calm me down. I go to the bathroom to try to throw it up. I'm, I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of drunk. Like I said, it, cannabis enhances you. So I think it just kind of messed me up even more, and then made me just, like I had a panic attack. So I was in the bathroom for thirty minutes trying to talk myself down, calm down. When I finally came out, the stewardess was in the way the front and I just remember standing there staring at the back of that airplane door just like staring out the window like I wanted to open it it was like that weirdest feeling ever like 
Now I get, you hear these stories of people that freak out and try to jump out of the airplane. <laughs> I'm like, I have that moment. So I just, but luckily I went back, sat down and I just chucked some water and then I like closed my eyes and it just kind of felt like a psychedelic experience where I was like going in a tube, you know, just on the plane. And I just, it was, it was a nightmare. When you like don't have one of those type times, like those type stories where it's just like, man, what? It's just, it's just cannabis. You know what I mean? Like. You're just not scared that something's gonna happen. It's kind of hard to understand that until you have that first moment of like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna make it on the other side of this. Yeah. So that's for me. It's I, I have a hard time consuming cannabis before flights now because I get like I have that moment that happened. I'm like, oh, if I do too much, am I gonna freak out being on this plane? Like even worse, kind of the paranoia you talked about, like the heart racing and. That's crazy. I said we we on the opposite sides of the spectrum with that one. I. I <laughs> I think an edible before a flight is amazing. Like I did one for a while, but yeah, I, I learned that 10 milligrams for me is my is my limit. All right, all right. That was halftime. Um, <laughs> you didn't use all of it, but that's fine. That's fine. They rarely do. You know what I mean? Like four minutes, 20 seconds is a long-ass time. So, But thank you for that. We definitely make sure we cut back on edibles in the, in the airports. To get back into it, you know, we were talking about, uh, a little bit earlier, we were talking about just discrimination and hurdles that certain groups deal with. And I have to imagine that women are one of them, just judging by the numbers as of late. Hearing that women is, is, is about around 20% uh, of C-suites, you know, in the cannabis industry are women. And it's just, it seems to be, I don't want it to be like crypto where it's like, it turns into this boys club type of thing, but I have to ask you, why do you think that is? Well, it was interesting because I think it was when I first got into the industry or a couple years after, it was at like 35%, 30 or 35% for women executives. What do you think happened? Like for the numbers to drop? Well, I think corporate can corporate came in. <laughs> so you had a lot of these companies outside the industry. It was already a struggle, right? Women were already a low number in executive positions in other industries. And so I think some of these corporate people or people that already had the funding available, um, right? I think women in general, it's only like 2.1% of venture funding that they get. So I think once corporate came in that that played, I think that played a big role in it. And either that or just because it's grown so much and it grew over the last few years so quickly, that could also, you know, you go into some of these other states that maybe they're just was a lot more male presence in that. So, you know, I, I, you know, I love it. I have a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of women friends that am part of Blunt Brunch, which, you know, focus on women executives. And so it is really cool. We're starting to see a lot more getting involved and hopefully moving up and moving within the with whatever company they're working with. So I hope to see that number continue to rise. And a as well as a lot, but a lot of it too comes down to that funding and why women are not getting that funding like men are. In the you know when it comes to venture funds, you just stole my uh, my next topic again. But oh, happy <laughs> That's right. It is. But what is it? Is this sounds so? Is it mimosas? So one of my really really good friends that I lived in San Diego, we met back in San Diego, and we both started our businesses. She actually recently moved out to Arizona, and her her name is Adelia Carrillo. I think I said her. I hope I said her last name right. She's part of Event High. She started it with Parisa Manzori. She's known as the Marijuana Mama. And they started Blunt Brunch together, I think about a year ago, with just a few people. And then they've expanded it nationally now 
We're actually going to be out in LA next Wednesday for the national blunt brunch event. And so what happened is once they started kind of going national, they created co-hosts for each city. So I run the Phoenix chapter um, along with my co-host, Iman Hawkins. I don't know if you were probably familiar with Women's Grow. There's been a few different organizations that kind of come and gone, but this one, you know, what I really love about Chris and Adelia is they're really about providing value for not only the people there, but also for the brands and the people and the companies involved. So they're really good on their social media presence, really good at going out of their way to provide the value for everyone. And so it's basically women executives that come together for networking and to kind of help each other out. A lot of times too, the discussions around people that are looking for work or looking to make moves and how we can help each other out in, you know, being a voice for each other as we're trying to grow and navigate the industry. What's been your favorite one so far? Well, so the the first national event they did was, they kind of did one in Vegas last year, but my favorite one was in Chicago in April, but that was fun. I think there was probably over 250 women that attended that. So that was, it was awesome. So I'm excited for LA next week. This is the second like big national one that they're doing next Wednesday. And I'm super excited for that one. And then the next one after that will be here in Scottsdale. Love that. So let me ask you this, because you're closer to this than, than I am. Which state seems to be like the place that a lot of, a lot of growers are, are um, heading towards? Because like as this thing grows, I have to imagine, okay, now, now that we have more of it, there's demand for more of it. Let's get more of it. You know what I mean? Let's grow more of it and let's expand for like a lot of these big corporate companies. So are there any states that seem to be, you know, kind of primed for, oh, that's going to be the next big weed state as far as the growing side of it goes? Well, I think New York. I think Mm. a lot of people are trying to go to New York. Well, you know, because New York has a good chance to really kind of take over as like the weed capital kind of from California. At least, you know, they say they're trying to do things the right way. But again... There's always caveats to that in terms of once things get legalized and how they roll it out. But I know a lot of cultivators are trying to go there. I think a lot would love to go to Florida if that wasn't such a monopoly state, um, Florida Sun. But, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to with how the laws are rolled out, right? Because you go, you have states like Oklahoma that they gave a, a dispensary license to anyone in their family that wanted one, right? For a very little amount, but then the cultivation was a lot harder and there wasn't as much in that department. So if you're a grower, you see that opportunity, like all these dispensaries are opening up, but cultivation's lacking there, then you should go there, right? That should be your yeah. Versus if you're a dispensary license, why would you want to open up in Oklahoma when there's going to be a dispensary on every corner? Mexico is kind of the same way. I think it's a lot easier to get a dispensary license there, but it's more spread out. So I don't know. We'll see how it'll be interesting to see how New Mexico does now. But Arizona, I've seen a lot of people come to Arizona once it went wreck. Arizona has been actually booming since it went wreck. You know, there's a lot you have to do. The greenhouses are indoor grow primarily here, but there is a lot of places kind of, you know, three or four hours from Phoenix that you can grow good year round with. Um, good temperatures. So. You have weed that is grown legally. You have weed that is grown illegally. I know people who are getting to a point where they're saying, I'd rather get my weed from someone who grows it illegally because they don't trust the government. You look at our food, you look at the chemicals and, the, and a lot of that stuff. You look at, you know, what the FDA is as a whole and just, you look at, especially when you go abroad, you see how other countries treat their food and things like that, aka the well People. And some people say, for those same reasons, why would I trust them with something I got to smoke? So if you, you know, if you have someone you trust that's growing it, then maybe just couldn't get into the legal market, but they still grow it or they grow it out of their house. You know, I'm all for that. 
I think if someone's really that concerned about it, eventually, you know, some of these states that allow the, you know, you can grow so many plants at your house, grow Mm -hmm. yourself, just like gardens and just like people that like to grow their own vegetables and fruit. But if you're in, you know, if you're somewhere and you're you're not quite sure, if you're not quite sure, you got to always go legal because at least, you know, they're testing for pesticides or it's not going to be filled or it's not fake synthetic. You know, we're, we're seeing just with the opioid crisis, you can see a lot of knockoffs for, especially with bait products. You've seen all that across the U.S., right? And a lot of those illegal states that are people underground are selling these fake weed, but filling them with these fillers that are just awful for you to inhale. So in that sense, you got to go legal, you know, yeah. but I'm with you. I, I, you know, if you know a good grower and they just, they have something grow that's fired and you know, it's safe and you trust it, then I get it, you know. But right now we're more regulated than almost I think any of the fruits and vegetables and food, like really. Yeah, I know it's crazy when the argument was presented that way. I was just like, like they were saying, it was like, I don't trust fast food. They were like, I don't trust fast food. I go to the grocery store, I cook my stuff. This person was one of the people who was actually arguing for it not to be federally legalized. Yeah. Because everybody gets on the same page. I'm telling you, this thing is gonna change. Right. And when they were like, damn, he has a point. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> No, it's true. It's it's a it, like I said, it's catch twenty two because you you know in order for us to have more research and for it to be available to everybody that needs it, it needs to be federally legal. But on the flip side, government you know gets more control of it, and then these companies, these big big companies that have to, they're trying to save a few dollars. They're going to cut corners. And it's going to happen. You know that's why I love flour, right? Just like you, like instead of doing vapes and stuff, you just you know this is literally this is just my thing. <laughs> But like, you know, this is just good flour. This is just that it's coming from the ground. It's not gone through distillation, gone through different processes, There's not fake filler being put in it. No, it's the same with edibles too, because edibles can go all different ways too. And then you're dealing with a lot of edibles that are full of sugar. And then, you know, certain patients, they really can't have sugar. They need to stay clear of certain things that's in candy or edibles. Like the beverage beverages, right? This is, I think, like 15 calories two grams of sugar and has a little bit of the flavor. So like something like this, it's almost trying to quit drinking. That's when I'm working. Cause I like to just always be consuming or doing so, you know, while you work on the computer, it's like, I still love my wine. Don't get me wrong, but this is a great. <laughs> I love, like I said, I got, I got to, I got to, I got to get some of those. That That is, I think I'll be in, in Phoenix in fall. I will, I will definitely, uh, definitely hit you on the ground. Listen, I, I need just to, for me because I don't I don't drink I don't drink at all. So for me, I, when I see pushing some wine away, I'm like that looks cool as shit, but I can't do it. So that would be yeah, happiness to just drop in. No, yeah. can't you tell the day like bars have that like a CBD wine or like or beer or whatever? Just like that for those that don't drink, but just it's that whole sat you know being part of the group, just like the social. Exactly. Thing. Like, and just always like to, yeah, it's just something to do. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Is, is there anything you want to plug? Where can we find you? So, Instagram, MJ Stapley9, LinkedIn, same thing. I think MJ Stapley and then MJ Hybrid Solutions is my online training business. If you want information about that, you can reach out or, yeah, you can just email me even mjstapley.com as well. My name, um, website that kind of gets into more info with contact. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Halftime Report, powered by Sports Cannabis. I am your host, D-Ray, and I'd like to give a huge thank you to former volleyball college athlete turned cannabis advocate, Melissa J. Stapley. Thank you. Y'all take care. Yeah.